welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. If you have a Bible this morning, Luke chapter 10, I'm going to preach from Luke chapter 10 this morning. I've been blessed to uh, travel in various places and a number of years ago I was in King Williamstown in South Africa and uh, we were driving along the street, it's quite a busy street, but on the side of the road was a big American, what we would call a yank tank. It was one of those big V8 cars sitting on the side of the road and um, uh, what was unusual was the bonnet was up. It, was, it had broken down on the side of the road. On the back of the car was three sitting there and they're just sitting there talking and they're waiting for someone to help them. I couldn't help but think at the time, I was already listening to some of the statistics about South Africa, including that um, uh, a woman will be, is expected to be raped twice in her life. Every South African woman. Statistically, I, was, I couldn't help thinking about people's lives and how their lives are broken. And just, here's this car sitting on the side of the road. These guys cannot fix their car. They need help. Someone has to tow them. Someone has to come and fix their car. They've got no idea. Did you know over a million people ring the lifeline in Australia every year? A million people. Because their lives are broken and they've got no answer. That's just one help agency. There are many more, Beyond Blue, all these other various help agencies. But a million people a year just for one telephone helpline. Ringing up saying, my life's a mess, I don't know how to fix it. Often people see the problems in their life, the money, the relationships. They don't understand that there's deep-seated problems and they don't know how to fix them. If we, the church, sit on our hands and don't help people, what type of people are we? What type of Christian are we? I was really encouraged. And by the way, people say I don't smile enough in a sermon, so watch this. Okay, I'm very intense when I preach, I apologise, but this, and, and this is a pretty intense, that's, that's Kyle, he took photos of me while I was in India and I, not one of them did I smile in. Anyway, <laughs> um, I was uh, in um, Zambia, I was actually in Indola, Zambia, and I preached uh, this particular, part of this particular sermon uh, to that congregation at the end of the service. A young man in his early 20s came up to see me. He said, Pastor, I need to tell you part of my story. I said, sure. What is it? He said, I, at the age of uh, uh, 18 or something like that, I think he was only a teenager, late teenagers, he said, my parents had died. I had no money. We were in a small house. I had no, no hope. And every day I felt like life was getting on top of me. I had no answer. I said, well, what were you planning to do? He said, I was planning on killing myself, committing suicide. I said, what happened? He said, on the day that I planned, I got a rope. I got into my house. 
I put the rope over a beam in my house. I did the noose. I got the chair ready and I was just about to get on the chair when all of a sudden at the door, there was a knock at the door. I said, what happened? He said, I opened the door and it was a Christian who told me about the gospel and I gave my life to Jesus that day and my life was saved. I was thinking, yeah, more the ways than one. This guy, his life was broken. He was in an area, in a place, in a space. Doesn't Pastor Scott always say space? He was in a space in his life that was dark and dingy and he didn't know what to do in his life. So he thought about committing suicide. Did you know that 3,000 people each year in Australia commit suicide? 3,000. That's the ones we're told about, and that's the ones we're recorded. The biggest group out of, that, out of 3,000 people in Australia that commit suicide are 25 to 35-year-old males who have gone through a relationship breakdown. That's your neighbours. That's your neighbours next door. See, understanding people is critical if we're going to reach people. Part of our, our goal, part of our vision here at Grace Life is to reach, to raise and to release. How are we going to reach people unless we understand them? And how do we understand people unless we take time out of our busy lives to reflect on Scripture? In Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 3, it says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. God is the awesome God, the Father that loves us so much and loves people whose lives are broken, but He must use some people on planet Earth to reach them. And unfortunately, for some people, that means you. Because you don't like that. You think that it's all right for an evangelist to get up and do mass evangelism and do preach crusades, but for anybody to say that you're, you need to reach your neighbour, you say, don't put that on me. How can you put that on me? Because I can tell you, I can't, I, can, I can't do everybody's house in Perth. Neither can Pastor Scott. Everybody, even if we take Ellenbrook just as one suburb, who's going to reach them? I want to read to you just a small portion of Scripture. A lawyer comes to Jesus... And this lawyer is trying to justify himself and he's asking Jesus a question in verse 25. He says, Teacher, what shall I do to enter the law and what is your reading of it? So he answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and your, your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, that's Jesus, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said, Well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, and who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to uh, to uh, to an inn, and took care of him. 
On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, by the way, just if you want to compare what you earn to, to, to make it relevant here, that's two, two denarii, gave, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever, you, uh, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I want to talk to you firstly about crushed spirits. What's a crushed spirit? Crushed spirits, uh, according to a, uh, one dictionary, says are those beleaguered by life. They're stressed, harassed, struggling or under, under attack. Another person said a crushed spirit is a result of an offence or series of offences committed by word or deed causing a deep inner hurt. Life is full of trauma. Have you worked that out yet? Plenty of people have dreams, but can I tell you, sometimes those dreams don't come to pass and trauma is, is the replacement. I was reading an article uh, from the Sydney Telegraph some years ago and it's a story that stuck with me and that is that police raided a certain brothels in Sydney and, um, because they had heard that there were sex slaves being uh, trafficked in, that, in those particular brothels. Turned out that these women were from various countries of Asia. This network of uh, hoodlums and gangsters had organised to bring these women in, charged them $50,000 to come to Australia on the promise of a new life. Then when they came, told them that they had to repay that $50,000 by being a sex slave. So glad the police busted it, but... That's just one of what I think is many bad things that are happening in our world. But can you imagine, just try and measure the emotional hurt in those women. Let alone the physical, let alone the, the spiritual and emotional hurt in those women. I believe those women would still be carrying some of those scars today if they haven't been healed by the precious blood of Jesus. They can go to counselling, they can be given a new life, they can possibly even marry, but there's an emotional hurt that some people carry all their lives. Everything man does affects his spirit. Physical consequences are also there, but spiritually they are affected. Listen to Psalm 143, verse 3 and 4. It says, For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. Here's the psalmist talking about how bad it was for him at different times in his life. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is broken. So friends, Today, brothers and sisters in Christ, can I tell you that there are people that live in your neighbourhood, people that live in your street, and possibly people that live uh, next door to you that have been crushed by circumstances of life, and you and I have the answer. You don't have to go to Bible college to have the answer. You just have to be a Bible-believing Christian to have the answer. Point them to Jesus. 
People today that you meet are dysfunctional. Have you ever wondered how they became dysfunctional? Something messed up in their bringing up. Something messed up in their life. We're quick to condemn some of the young people around Ellenbrook who are causing a lot of trouble. But how did they get to that place where they want to cause trouble? I was reading another article, it's called The Wound That Would Not Heal. It was in a Time magazine some years ago. And it was about a guy by the name of Lewis B. Puller Jr., who was a uh, Vietnam veteran and who had won a Pulitzer Prize for a, a uh, book he wrote, which was called Fortunate Son. The problem for Lewis B. Puller Jr. was that his father was one of the most decorated generals in, uh, in, in uh, military history. And uh, the article goes on to say that this man, Lewis B. Puller Jr., was beleaguered by life. When I read that term, beleaguered by life, and then read his, uh, this is actually an obituary because he committed suicide. He had everything in front of him, but he was beleaguered by life, living in the shadow of his father. He went to Vietnam himself. His father, sorry, was a Korean veteran. He was a Vietnam veteran. And he went to Vietnam. And when he was in Vietnam, he had both his legs blown off and part of his hand when he stepped on a landmine. And uh, he came back from Vietnam, all messed up. Uh, he struggled with life, got married, all sorts of things, wrote this wonderful book, and, uh, and told his story, but was beleaguered by life, and people were, were just dumbfounded when he took his own life by suicide. What it was, as you read into this man's life, is he never measured up to his father, and he never got over Vietnam. He struggled with alcohol, and he struggled with, his, with, with those mind demons. That is an illustration of a crushed spirit. So situations, quickly, I haven't got too much time. Situations where crushing occurs. Firstly, relationships. Infidelity in marriage will destroy trust by the very act of adultery or pornography or internet relationship. And we see this happening every day. People are hurt. They are wounded and, and, uh, and bleeding on the side of the road. That's what they are. Uh, they're just like this man has gone down to Jericho. This man that's been beaten up on the side of the road, they are beleaguered by life. They're crushed in their spirit. People who are divorced, I know for, for a fact, coming out of a divorced home, why, how that affected me, let alone my parents. My mother struggled with alcohol. My father, after my, uh, and they divorced, my father and mother divorced. But later in life, when my mother passed away, which was about four, four or five years ago, my father cried after being uh, uh, separated and divorced for many years because there was something about that relationship that was still in his heart that was still had affected him. He'd married, he'd had another child, moved on in the physical but what I saw is he hadn't moved on in his heart. For me, I remember being a, uh, a young boy around about eight years old, uh, uh, just, uh, just sick and tired of the arguments when my father would come over and we lived on a, 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 on a set of flats in Sydney and I remember getting out on the, on the windowsill and wanting to jump out the window. 
because I was, I was, I was affected deeply by, by this whole relationship breakdown. That's the, that's these multiple people, these, these people have multiple partners and multiple marriages and multiple relationships. Because the kids are affected as well. Broken engagements. Anybody's ever made promises and had them broken in an engagement knows exactly that what I'm saying. You're carrying that wound. People who have been physically abused, sexually abused, or verbally abused. Monetary dealings. If you ever want to lose a friend, lend them some money. <laughs> Often somebody won't pay them back, and you, Hollywood's made a lot of money out of out of that theme over the years. But it carries wounds when you've been affected financially. Gossip. This is the secret one in church. <laughs> Ouch! This is the secret one in church, isn't it? Did you hear about such and such, brother such and such, sister such and such? Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a talebearer are tasty trifles. They go down into your innermost body. Those words affect our perspective on somebody else. We begin to view them in a certain way. But when that person finds out that you've been thinking that or somebody's been saying something, how hurt are they? I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand because every one of us has had somebody say something about us behind our back. Harsh words, words that affect us. So what sort of signs do people with a crushed spirit or people hurt carrying a wound, what sort of signs can you see in their life? Number one, insecurity. Number two, skepticism. Even if you tell them the truth, they're skeptical about it. Three, irrational behavior. They make some silly decisions sometimes. Why are they making silly decisions? Because they're still hurt from a previous relationship or something. Four, a regular level of confusion. It's like they just can't make clear decisions. Five is suspicion. Why are you talking to me? Why are you asking questions? <laughs> what do you want to know about my life for? Because <laughs> they're afraid of opening their heart. Because they've been hurt before. Number six is they're inhibited in personal relationships. They find it really hard to have close friends. This is exactly where the children of Israel found themselves when they were in Egypt. As you read the Old Testament, and I know that it's not a common thing these days that everybody reads the whole Bible, but I would encourage you to read the whole Bible. Amen. Because when you read the Old Testament, you read a scripture like this in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. Now he's speaking faith to them, right? But they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They didn't want to get their hopes up that somehow God was going to set them free that they were actually going to be set free from the bondage of Israel, uh, Egypt and Israel was living under intense uh, cruel bondage, the culture of false religion and various other things. This is how they did not even want to listen to Moses initially. And then when they get into the, uh, out of Egypt and they actually get set free and go into part of the promised land, they are still sceptical about whether or not God's going to beat them up whether Moses is leading them down the garden path. 
To me, Israel consistently exhibited the signs of a crushed spirit. So, I'm now going to talk about our text. <laughs> Having set that platform, I want you to think about this man who's on his way down to Jericho. He's been beaten up almost to death. He's robbed of all, he, all that he had on him. He's lying on the side of the road, probably, I dare say, half naked. Can you put yourself in his position? He's lying there and he's bleeding. He's dying. It's feel, unless someone helps him, he, he can't help himself. Imagine how he feels. Can you find compassion for that man? Can you find empathy? Put yourself in his position. So first thing happens is a priest come, comes by. He sees him on the side of the road. This guy hears the crunching of, 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 of sandals on the gravel road. He's laying there and all of a sudden he, he hears that noise. He lifts, his, lifts himself up and may have even said, help me. But to, to his total disappointment, this guy goes around him, leaves him there. The next guy that comes past more than, is a Levite. Now, this guy is dying on the side of the road. He's more than likely a Jew. That's why Jesus is telling the story. This time it's a priest, uh, a, a Levite, and this time the Bible says he comes and has a look and then goes past. Mate, you look in bad shape. You look terrible. It must hurt, eh? I'm not going to help you. See you later. How would you feel? How would you feel someone actually comes really close to you, you think you're going to get helped, and then he says, see ya. Got to go to work. Got to look after the kids. I can't tell you about Jesus. I don't know what to say. I would suggest to you that this man that's bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road is a man with a crushed spirit. And the answer for him came in the most un uh, unpredictable way. It came by a good Samaritan. Now, remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to a, a Jewish lawyer. How did the Jewish people view Samaritans? Well, they called them dogs. They hated them. How did the Samaritans view the Jews? They hated them. So who's the hero of the story? The one they hated. And he comes up and he takes this man, puts him on his own donkey. He makes an investment of his own life and invests in this man. Shows compassion for this man. Shows empathy for this man. Jesus tells this story and confronts prejudice. Did you know prejudice is alive and well in Australia? And it's not just about skin colour or um, ethnicity. It's about financial, social. I'm not talking to a Muslim. 
You're not getting me to talk to a mad muzzy. That there is a racist comment, isn't it? You can identify it, can't you? How many of us are actually prejudiced against somebody who just doesn't believe what we don't believe, what we believe? Instead of having compassion for them, there are so many people in Australia, I've already outlined, and you probably know people, and maybe you're one here today with a crushed spirit. We're going to give time at the end of the service to pray with people, pray for people with a crushed spirit. But I'm enlisting you, I'm challenging you, I'm inspiring you, I hope, to have compassion for your neighbours, for people in your social world. People in your sphere of contact because there's no one else that can reach them. Only you can. I've had people try and drag me to all sorts of hospitals all over the world because they want me to pray for them. I say, listen, let's pray. You go and pray for them. And we got, it, it, you, can't, you can't just spread yourself so everywhere. It comes, and people say, well, evangelist, that's what your job is. No, my job is I work for All Safe WA. <laughs> we can help you out with any insurance repairs, anything else like that. I'll do you an ad. <laughs> anything like, you know, we do Renaults, the whole thing. So. <laughs> I don't get paid for preaching. Can I, can I just tell you that? I'm not on the, on the paid staff of Grace Life. I get, I, I get paid at All Safe WA, but I'm a Christian. My duty, my responsibility as someone that loves Jesus and has been redeemed and healed myself of crushing in my spirit is to go and tell someone else, Jesus can help you. That's my responsibility. I have to live up to that. I will be accountable before Almighty God one day for that. We're on a rescue mission. We're called to a Good Samaritan ministry. Today, Good Samaritans are frowned upon in the media. They bring out all the bad stories about anybody who helps somebody else on the side of the road or, you know, who helps somebody who was getting bashed up. I'm not telling you to, you know, do something that's dangerous. I'm just saying we need to have compassion for people, understand even though we've got, we're one of the richest countries in the world. We're one of the richest countries in the world. And yet there are so many people with pain and hurt that you just can't see. And there are people here that are sitting here today. You're starting to identify, yeah, I've got a cross spirit. I need some healing in, in my heart. By the consistent preaching and believing of the word of God, Jesus Christ, by his spirit, he can help you today. There's hope in Christ. Luke 4, 18 and 19 is well-spoken scripture. The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken-hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. I want to ask you a question. Are you ready to be a good Samaritan? Healing and deliverance. Let's close with that. 11 seconds. I don't think I'll make it, Pastor Scott. It's my experience that for many people, it's a healing process. And there's lots in my testimony that I could share, but 
it's, ne- it's sometimes it can be a prayer that breaks through and opens up that door. But for me, when I look into that, that story, firstly, the Good Samaritan had to go to him. He then invests in him and brings him up onto his own donkey. He then walks with him. There's a walk involved. There's a journey involved from the road to the inn, right? There's a process. Then he stays with him all night. All night. He stays with him all night. Then when he's got to leave the next morning, he says, here's all the money I've got, but if there's more money, I'll come back. There's still a process of this guy being healed by the Spirit of God in his, in, his, in his room, wherever he is. And this is what I want you to understand. Healing and deliverance. I wish I could go abracadabra, sim salabim, in the name of Jesus be delivered. And there are times when that happens. People get set free powerfully by the Spirit of God. But many times it's a journey where that deep inner wound is healed over a period of time. But the hope and the truth is Jesus Christ is the very good Samaritan who pours in the oil and the wine, the anointing and healing balm, the Spirit of God touching your life. I got saved at 22. Our marriage was in tatters. Joe was pregnant with our first child and uh, I, uh, I, I had a heap of problems and I didn't want to admit to him. I would come to church, I'd hear a sermon like this and I'd allow the Spirit of God to <laughs> open my heart up because I was close to it. I was proud. I haven't got a problem. All those guys got a problem, not me. But as he opened my heart through the preaching of the Word of God, through a decision of my own will, I learned to confess, to admit what's wrong in my life. That's really important. You've got to learn. You've got to find a, a safe space. You've got to, You've got to find a safe person to be with and sit and talk to them. Confession. Second thing is forgiveness. You've got to learn to forgive. And that's a decision. It's a decision to forgive the perpetrator of the pain and hurt in your life. And the final thing is you've got to learn to release them. Let go of it. You've got to let go. The longer you hang on to it, the more it festers in that heart. You've got to confess it. You've got to forgive. And then you've got to release. There's plenty of people over the years that I punched in the face. And there's more that I'd like to. There's one particular guy in Joe's past that I'd, if I saw him again, I probably wouldn't punch him, but for years I wanted to punch him. Fix him right up because of the hurt that he gave her. 
but I've got to release him. And if I met him again, I've never met the guy. She knows his name. I don't know his name. But if I ever met him and she said, that's him, I hope that God would give me the grace to go and witness to him and tell him about the love of Jesus. The fourth thing is supernatural deliverance. There is something that only God can do that you and I can't. That's why people go to counsellors. They, they want to talk about it and that's fine. But guess what? All the counselling in the world doesn't change much unless the Spirit of God's involved to bring some powerful and supernatural deliverance. And you need to open up and believe God. In a very practical way, this Samaritan got over his prejudice, got over all the issues and financially invested in his enemy. That is for someone that's not in my notes. The very story affronted Jews and Jesus told it with passion, I believe. Because people are held captive by their past. But the God that I serve is a God of deliverance and a God of the future where it's bright, full of hope, full of all of God's grace. It's good news this morning. Can you say amen? Now, this is my second smile. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? Appreciate you being attentive this morning. It's been great to be here. I only got back from Queensland on Thursday. We were over visiting family after India. And uh, I said, Lord, you've got to help me. What do you want to say to your people? So firstly, today, as heads about, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. Maybe you could spend this time in time of prayer. But I want to address my comments to people here today who have never been born again. The Bible says in John chapter 3, it says Jesus was talking to a religious man and the religious man asked him questions and Jesus said, you must be born again. Today, you must be born again. Coming to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to a football game makes you a footballer. You become a spectator. Plenty of people can be in church and be spectators or you can have a genuine born-again experience where you re receive Christ as your saviour, where you repent of your sin and you receive the love, the forgiveness and the grace of God. God loves you today. God's love is real today. And I want to invite any person here today that does not know Jesus as your saviour to simply just lift your hand so I can see it. Just lift it up. Say, yeah, that's me. I haven't got Jesus as my saviour, but I want him to be my saviour. If that's you, lift your hand so I can see it. Be bold. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking or saying or what they're doing. Just This is between you and God. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Just lift your hand if that's you. I need Jesus as my saviour. Lift it up so I can see it. Lift your hand up so I can see it and I acknowledge you. We'll pray a prayer with you and you can invite Christ into your life. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you'd like to pray that prayer, you pray it with me if you'd like to receive Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask you now, forgive me of my sin. Heal the hurt and pain of my life and come into my life and be my saviour. I want to be born again.
I want a new start. I receive you as my Savior. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.